hello and welcome to Not Only But Also. I am Madam, your dominatrix, Renee, Ronica, Bahati, Klug, Mercury, Reeves, Esquire, the second. Um, I'm Nicole, Renee's willing sub <laughs> partner. <laughs> We're using BDSM words. Okay. Okay. Today, listen to this quote. I am not blaming penises for the orgasm gap, nor am I blaming the men who own them. I'm also not blaming the women who have sex with the men who own them. The orgasm gap is a cultural problem. You. That's Dr. Lori Mintz. So today we're talking about the orgasm gap. And if you follow us on Instagram, we teased this out a little bit and we posted some questions and we asked some of you if you'd ever even heard of the orgasm gap and what you may or may not know about it. And 67% of you said that you had never heard of the orgasm gap. And so we're talking about it. It's also also called, at times, orgasm inequality. Or it's called big penis power. <laughs> big penis power. Rise up. <laughs> so why? Well, I guess, what is it? What is it? What is it? The orgasm gap is the fact that so often men, especially in heterosexual relationships, have way more orgasms than women. In fact, Renee has all her notes. She's I got do. all her statistics. 52,588 people who identified as heterosexual. So here is the statistic straight men are having 35% more orgasms than straight women. 35% more. Yes. And, but women in lesbian relationships mm-hmm. tend to have. Uh, way more orgasms. That's right. The gap between partners in gay relationships is smaller than it is in heterosexual relationships, which this should this information is not surprising. Uh, not at all. Because, and I was just talking literally right before y'all rolled up with a gay friend, and he said, of course, he's like, I'm able to know what my partner likes because I know what I like. That's right. We some shared anatomy, it seems actually, which then will lead us down the road as we discuss on why anatomy and not knowing anatomy, specifically female anatomy, has contributed to this giant gap. Okay, so we've talked about what it is. We threw out some numbers, but why are we actually talking about this? Because we want to. <laughs> Why do we do anything? Why do we do anything? <laughs> I will. I was thinking actually, um, the other day about. I don't know if people assume that or how people think we come up with topic ideas or how we choose what we're going to discuss or what we're going to record. But almost everything we record are things that you and I have talked about. That's right. So it's either. Either we've had in-depth conversations about these things, and some of these are things we've talked about for years. Mm -hmm. Some of these are things we've talked about a couple of times. Some of these are things we've just texted about or we've talked about in passing. But almost everything we've ever recorded, I think maybe everything, is a conversation you and I have had. It's true. (laughs) And so this is something we kind of just talked about 
a few weeks ago for the first time, like we threw out the idea to each other and we talked about it a little bit. And when we go back to Dr. Mintz's quote that the orgasm gap is a cultural problem, That's right. you know us, we are going to call out the patriarchy. Yeah. There's a lot tied up into this that we're going to get into. Um, some of the contributing factors in the orgasm gap, which no one else is surprised to hear is also purity culture related. And so we were talking about some of that. And so for me, I wanted to talk about this because a few reasons. One, I think it's something that people don't know a lot about and get to hear a lot about. I think it's an interesting way of dissecting some of the cultural and church problems around the topic mm -hmm. of sex. But then also, I know you and I have so many friends who have found themselves in their relationships, in their marriages, not being able to enjoy sex the way that they wish that they could, mm -hmm. not being able to engage it with their partners the way that they wish that they could, whether there's lots of reasons for that, which we're going to also talk about. And I, I want this conversation to be, I don't know, freedom giving and yeah. ex exciting. Yes, exciting. Because it's exciting. And the opposite of embarrassing. Exactly. No shame. There's no shame in this. That's right. And I, it was, it's really interesting. And maybe y'all can sound off later. But I, we posted a question on our Insta stories saying, hey, what questions do you have for us about sex? Because in the past, y'all have come through with some amazing questions. There were zero questions. <laughs> and we were like, what? It's crickets. Like, well, maybe people, well, well. People maybe don't know what to ask or maybe they're afraid to ask or who knows what it is. I don't know. But then we did these surveys in your in, in, in the Insta stories. I posted some poll questions like just yes or no's instead. Yes. And y'all did come through. Right. We had some really, really, really good uh, feedback. And I will share that throughout. But I wanted to go back and clarify. When we say that there's a 35% gap, this is according to um, differences in orgasm frequency among gay, lesbian, bisexual, and heterosexual men and women mm -hmm. in a U.S. national sample by Frederick et al. 2018. So of the almost 53,000 people surveyed, uh, 26 about 26,000 were men, uh, straight men, and 24,000 were straight women. And of those, the straight men claimed to have orgasm 95% of the time that they engaged in sex, vaginal sex. And the good, heterosexual good, good women, 65%. 65%. So that's, that margin is narrower. That's 30% difference mm -hmm. versus yeah. the 35% yeah. from the other source that I had. But I thought that that was interesting. And really quickly, gay men, 89%. Bisexual men, 88%. Mm -hmm. hmm. Lesbian women, 86% coming in strong. Yeah, not surprising. And bisexual women, pretty close to heterosexual women at 66%. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Also makes sense, though. Okay, so Durex, the condom company, they did a big study on – I don't have the, like, sample size. I don't know what it is. But they did a big study on the orgasm gap, too. And in their research, it says 20% of women said that they just don't orgasm. <gasps> ever? Yeah, Not even like during ever. masturbation? Like, it doesn't happen. So I don't know if, if it was the – if you do during masturbation, it was just they don't orgasm, which that – I do know that that happens way more than we know about. Sure. I know that there are a lot of specifically women who just have never achieved orgasm. I will pray for all of those I, women. For reals. And I and I, I hope that some of this conversation too 
lend some actual practical, like we're going to talk about some like the like real good practical nitty gritty stuff that you can Mm -hmm. do to actually close the gap, so to speak. Okay. This was one thing we had talked about before, which is also into the, the why are we talking about this? I had posted on the Insta stories asking, you know, do you think that God cares about orgasms? I was shocked by how many people. Yeah, tell me what the num- final numbers were because I don't even oh, know. I, I was shocked that some of y'all, I even, some of y'all are my friends. <laughs> I know you know that God cares. Um, what is it? 82% of you said that yes. But those 18%, that's too high of a number, um, said no, that God does not care about orgasms. Okay, so. I 100% believe that God cares about orgasms because why else would he create the clitoris? There's one. There's one purpose. One purpose for the That's clitoris. Right. So um, one of my friends, I'll give her a shout out. Can I give her a shout out? Emily, she texted me today and she was like, do you know the purpose of the clitoris? <laughs> oh, because, because she I saw this. That, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I do, baby. It's all for pleasure. I said, God loves women. And she's like, and he loves sex. And we were like, preach. He created it. He created it. So Renee just said the clitoris is has one purpose and one purpose only. Pleasure. Pleasure. That's it. And I announced that once at a women's event we hosted and some people left. But <laughs> and I'm like, look, blame God, not me. Right. I'm didn't just the a female anatomy. Yes, but also, so the average size of a penis is five inches. And the average it's size shocking. of a clitoris is five inches. It's crazy. But that's like a internal. Yes. Iceberg. So the clitoris is like an iceberg. You only see the tip. You only see the tip. <laughs> Just the tip. <laughs> Just the tip. That's all you need. Also like a Hemingway story. Um, at our, when Jonathan and I were in pre-marriage, cla- pre-marriage counseling class, I pre-marital guess. Pre-marital counseling? Pre-marital Christian class. Um, we like, did a don't class. Don't do it until the night class. Yeah, we, that's right. We were in a class with a bunch of other engaged people. And there was a, a sex therapist, Christian sex therapist there. And he was teaching this portion of the class on sex. I actually know him and it was actually really great, the stuff that he was sharing. And and he was the first person that I'd ever heard say this. And he announced to the whole class, he said, do you all know the purpose of the clitoris? And there was crickets because no one wanted to say anything and no one was sure what to say. And he said, it's just for pleasure and God's great design. He gave the woman the clitoris and that's the only purpose it holds is to give pleasure and i remember thinking this is wonderfully fantastic news and this man just shared this with this whole class i'm so glad god bless him and we never really learned this in anatomy class or or any class any class and one of the questions we also asked was have you ever heard the church discuss sexual pleasure and or orgasms and 83 percent of you said no yeah also not surprising i mean we shouldn't be surprised by any of this i no. mean this is not something that's preached from the pulpit i couldn't even believe it was said in a christian pre-marriage class premarital class that i was in i mean that was surprising at the time but because i know who that person is yeah he's very free and like open about those things in those conversations, which is also I asked, how often did people talk about these things growing up in their homes? And people, not surprisingly, a lot of people didn't have these conversations with their parents. 72% did not. Did not talk about sex with their parents growing up. That's right. So then you end up getting married and you do not know 
not only do you not know about your, if I'm talking to women now, not only do you not know about your own female anatomy, Mm -hmm. there's no way your partner, your spouse is going to probably know much about your female anatomy either because no one has learned anything. No one has learned a gosh darn thing. That's right. And I think going back to Dr. Mintz's quote about the orgasm gap being cultural and my bringing in the patriarchy because I just can't help myself, when you go back and look at God's design for the female body and the fact that he very wisely and graciously gave mm-hmm. the clitoris to us, it kind of counterbalances that patriarchal narrative that says that only men deserve to have pleasure. Exactly. And, and I love that. I love that that flipping it on its head, if you don't mind mine <laughs> using that pun. And I don't mind. Saying, listen, you need to slow your effing roll. Yeah. <laughs> slow your roll. Okay, that brings me to a great <laughs> point that I wanted to talk about. So we will get to some of the reasons. Well, maybe I should save this for later. Like, save it for a solution. For, okay, before I'll save that thought. I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. Okay, let's talk about some of the reasons for the gap, though. Mm. Why does the gap exist, Renee? So, okay. Well, the orgasm gap is larger during hookup versus partnered, intimate, or relational sex. That's according oh, to a college study. Oh, so not surprising. So, if you, it's so, according to this, if you have more of an emotional bond with somebody, mm-hmm. the likelihood of your having an orgasm is higher, mm-hmm. but not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um but here are some of the problems. Oh, <gasps> surprise. Number one, prioritizing the male orgasm. Prioritizing the male orgasm. Because sometimes they can stick it right in. And, oh, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody else is not a priority. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was a video of your face oh, to match that. I know. Oh. My male cum right. face is awesome on point <laughs> all right okay so and prioritizing second, okay wait do you want to talk about that for a second prioritizing yeah, male orgasm? Sure. okay that's a huge cultural idea this is not just a christian cultural idea this is an american cultural idea and also a porn culture 100 percent. because mostly i mean i haven't watched a lot of really i haven't watched a lot of porn but i certainly haven't watched a lot of porn in which the women are having amazing orgasms. Okay, so yes. So what are some of the messages is that we've been told about men, male sex drive, male orgasms growing up? Men always want to have sex. Always. No matter what you do, Constantly. no matter what you say, no matter what you're dressed like, they want a bone. They can't stop thinking about it. Men think about sex, what do they say, like 3,823 times a day. If you are an alone with in a room with any man, the likelihood of your boning is high. High, because they want to, because they all just want to have sex And neither one of you have a choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. Um, if your husband wants to have sex, you probably don't want to, but you should anyway. You should anyway, because men need sex. Women don't need sex. Men need sex. That's the church. Go on. That's also horseshit. Mm-hmm. Also horseshit. Because uh, I will talk about how much I need orgasms. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much everybody else around me needs me to That's have that. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, life changing for all involved. <laughs> um, where were we? Um, I can't remember what else, but yeah, yes, that's, I mean, that's that, the that, stuff that we're told about men. We're told that they have really strong sex drives, they have higher sex drives than women, they want it all the time, they need to have sex in order to function as normal human beings. Um, oh, men are super visual, women are mm-hmm. not. Yeah, that's what we're also told. Men can just look at something. 
Yep. And they're ready to go. Yep. And, um, you know. So basically men are essentially apes. They're apes. And And then women are these really, really emotionally, physically complex Slow moving. Yes, and we never just have a desire to bang. Right. Anti-visual, l- potentially almost always lower <laughs> sex drive. We just close our we eyes just the whole cl- time. We don't, we don't picture anything ever in our minds because we're not men. Um, um, we don't get externally stimulated. Oh, that's right. There's no external stimulation. It, meaning, you know... I don't know. I, or do we even get stimulated at all? Do women get stimulated? <laughs> I mean, maybe some might not. That's also part of the gap. But the 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 lie, the myths that have been told are that we're these just totally opposite ends of the spectrum beings mm-hmm. and that it's, you know, lucky for a lady. And I yeah, to orgasm. <laughs> luck be a lady luck tonight. Luck be a lady tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and but underneath that, the prioritizing male orgasm. Here's what happens when you prioritize male orgasm, and you already talked about this, Nicole. We there then have a failure to communicate. Correct. Because we don't really understand our anatomy. You said mm-hmm. that. And YouGov, there's a YouGov study from. Uh, 2020, so that there's confusion surrounding the vulva and that's shared by both genders. Mm-hmm. And locating the clitoris, however, isn't much of a problem. That's right. But people just don't understand what the vagina is and what the vulva is. Yeah. Like people can find it on a chart. I mean, I read a study that said like people can find, men and women can find the clitoris, but because well, it sticks out like a right, little they, it sticks out. They can name it. It's a, a button. It's it, God didn't even make it hard. <laughs> he wasn't even like searching, finding. It's right there. It's mm-hmm. the top of the top, in all ways. It's and oh, this is cool. When we were talking about anatomy, things you don't know about the clitoris. The clitoris swells. I know during pleasure or stimulation. So then it gets even bigger and easier to find. It's kind not of. difficult. Okay, but the what the thing you're bringing up though, this is the thing. Because we prioritize the male orgasm, we prioritize penetrative sex. Correct. And penetrative sex mm-hmm. is for most women not the way to achieve orgasm or the best orgasm that's right or and this comes in as the next one not enough foreplay correct that yes there are a lot of women who can ultimately orgasm that's the thing i wrote down on my paper that i said we're going to talk about later we're talking about right now oh that's right no it's perfect and then not enough clitoral stimulation okay there's a book that my husband and i read together i talked about it during the purity culture episode it's called she comes first by dr ian kerner and this man is yeah. all about centering we the have a lot of friends who have read that book it's a great book our okay because greg and i both came into marriage pretty inexperienced and sometimes you gotta know what you gotta know that's right and you gotta know you gotta helped. learn what you don't know you gotta learn what you don't know and look clitoral stimulation in the Klug house <laughs> got so much better. Top priority. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Turner. <laughs> uh, and then we already talked about limited education on sexual communication. So how many percent of you said, um, is sex a topic you generally feel comfortable discussing? What do you think? How many people do you think said yes, percentage-wise? I think that number is higher. I think more people said they feel pretty comfortable talking about it. 
Yes. So 77% of people do feel comfortable that we, so I think there was about 30 of you who answered this afternoon. So thank you. And um, I do need to give the sample. Which that's actually higher than I, I think it's higher than I would have expected, but but then I think maybe not. I mean, but these are people who follow us, so they're cool. That's right. They're cool. Also, though, what does that actually mean? Like talking about it, like who are you talking about it with? Are you talking about with your girlfriends, your your dude friends? Are you talking about with your spouse? Are you talking about yeah. with your therapist? I don't know. That could mean a lot of different things. Okay, but before we jump, I wanted to say a couple more things about please do the penetrative sex point because I think that that underscores your opening quote about being cultural. Because if men, if the male orgasm is prioritized, and that means penetrative sex is prioritized, then that means that the way that we just in general view sex is this hole and this object and this object goes in this hole and Mm -hmm. and then that's it. And then that becomes like the definition of sex. And then foreplay gets tacked on only at the beginning in order for the hole to be ready. I mean, I'm reducing this like rudimentary ideas about men and women's bodies. And I'm doing that on purpose. What I'm saying is the the thing for women especially is to not think about foreplay as foreplay. Mm. It's part oh, it's sex. of sex. Yes. It's the sex act itself. It is. And sex doesn't that someone messaged me um after some of the questions I posted, and I I won't share her name for on anonymity's sake, but she messaged saying i had used the term finishing in one of the questions and she Mm -hmm. kind of was like hey you know finishing isn't the the point or Mm -hmm. and i and i which i fully agree with and i thought yeah i shouldn't have actually used that phrase because because we prioritize the male orgasm then we also prioritize them finishing like men being done done Mm -hmm. is what we call it but having an orgasm then doesn't mean that's the end of a sex sexual encounter it can but it doesn't yeah. always have to be and just because the man has finished that's doesn't right doesn't mean, mean that, that the woman over. has that doesn't mean sex is done and it shouldn't mean sex is, is done. orgasm the goal of sex i mean we're talking about the orgasm gap so yes we want all of you to have more orgasms ladies we want you to have more orgasms but is orgasm the goal of sex? I, I And we can't talk about, just like we can't talk about cultures as if they're monoliths, we also cannot <laughs> talk about sex as if it were a monolith. Right. Because there are times where if I don't owe, we're, yeah, we're in trouble. For sure. Like, like there are times where you're like, this has to it happen. It has to happen for right. my mental health. That's right. For everybody's mental 100%. health, as I said. There are other times where it's like, listen, last night, I mercy jumped Greg. I was like, I am too tired. I know you need this. Guess what? I'm donezo. Yeah. And guess what? It was a beautiful mercy jump. It was intimate. <laughs> and I didn't come, but I was pleased. Right. And you were pleased. And then the so the goal for you in that time wasn't for you to have an orgasm. But yeah. there's other times where you're head in the game. I have to have – this has to happen. Yep. Right. I think that's totally fair. I think most of us would – I certainly relate to that. I think most married people would And to be fair, to Greg has totally mercy jumped me. There have been times <laughs> – <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to just be fair. It's an equitable relationship. There have been times where I'm like, dude, I feel I like just- we have to make t-shirts that say, want a mercy jump? I just had a mercy jump. That would cause your brother Tonight, to stumble. Dot, dot, oh, yeah, dot, just- mercy jump. Um, yeah, yeah, that's very true. So if the goal isn't always orgasm, but sometimes it is, and sometimes it should be, and that's totally fair too. But I think just thinking about the way we frame sex in general has been harmful 
to women's ability to orgasm because like you're saying we we prioritize the man and then the whole the a lot of times the whole interaction is to prioritize the man achieving that thing yes and it's really stressful and when i'm stressed out that's right it's that's not, not happening gonna happen. it's not gonna happen that's because right. and we can talk about all of these different things this is going to be a double header <laughs> it's potentially <laughs> get it double um, header double header so how many, many double i'm using the same pun over and over again though i need okay to get so let's talk about some of the other the other things so other the things next that one? are inhibitants body consciousness and this i will Ooh, i will blame so many cultural things like freaking porn yeah, for like sure. Like freaking billboards. Magazines, like, television. And I love everything. all of the new bodies that are being shown all yes. over the place right now that are all like Target the other day. There was a beautiful woman of color who had a real body. And yeah. I was like, yes. With like stretch marks and yes. all of the things like not airbrushed out and not, you know, size negative too. Yes. But like a real woman's body. Yes. yes. And I was like, okay, now I actually know what that outfit's going to look like That's on That's exactly right. And 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 when we talk about too, this actually, when we talk about like in other episodes, we've talked about um, representation in terms of like, if you're a person of color, seeing a per- person of color being represented, especially if you're, if you're a child and you're growing up and you're seeing people that look like you, there's also something to be said for seeing people that look like you physically to have mm. your shape and your size and your breasts and your yeah. all of those things and your booty because you you and I yeah. our body types our body types aren't generally represented in no. well and really in anything and it does help you feel more attractive and know that you are a normal woman with a beautiful body just yep. like everybody else yep yeah and i would love to see uh women who have stretch marks right? right and you don't have to have had babies to have stretch marks True. and not just and a lot of women i had stretch marks before i had babies Me because too. i was an athlete and, and so i grew so fast and my muscles were and a lot of people with darker skin have more mm-hmm. stretch marks. Also true. So, Melanin. So body Melanin. consciousness. I mean, okay, we are going to be doing an episode on body consciousness, on eating disorders and all of that. So I will stop that there because I think we could really mm-hmm. go into a completely different uh, rabbit hole there. Rabbit hole. Um, and <laughs> It's never going to stop. It's the whole time. <laughs> and guess what? I'm not drinking any wine today because I'm off sugar this week. I know. Renee so we, is stone sober. <laughs> yeah, we can't blame the wine or sugar because I'm off of it this week. Um, and then mindfulness, distractedness. I know that if my head is not in the game, it's just not going to happen. Absolutely. But I don't – I well, I can't – my sample size is low. But – I don't know if that's can men just like snap out of it. Snap out of it. What's get their head in the game? Can they just get their head in the game? I mean, I know Greg has to be focused. I mean, I think most men that's not a problem. That's that's also one of the I mean, we call that a stereotype about men and sex, but it's not really a stereotype because it's I mean, stereotype stereotypes exist for a reason because there's something generally true. Yeah. Um yeah, men can just focus like that that's why for women the emotional component and then if you tie body if you tie even like insecurity like body insecurity into that um it's more difficult but like when we're saying when we say emotional issues let's break that down some more what are some of the things that i mean i can share some of mine i'll share a little story story yeah because i feel like you're asking me all the questions and they're so hard i know but you're doing such a good job oh thank you and you have your paper. I have your so paper. Proficient. Yeah. Um, when and I've talked, we've talked about this on our other 
What's this? They're so hard. <laughs> I walked right into that one. All right, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. I can't. I'm not allowed. No, no. I, I'm getting negative points now because I'm using the same pun, and I have to switch it up. Oh, you'll 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 find some more. Don't don't you worry. Um, I don't remember what episode because we should mention on our marriage episode, I think, and then definitely our purity culture episode. We share some of this, but. I wasn't a virgin when I got married, um, and Jonathan was a virgin, which is its own set of unique challenges, which lent to some emotional things for me. And when people talk about you can just have sex with whomever if it's two consenting adults and you don't have to be married and those relationships, you know, you're deciding to do that and it's okay and all of that. For me personally, the reason that I I can't really get on that train um, is because I know the emotional baggage that I brought into my marriage from my previous sex partners. And when I think about when we have sex with someone, our body releases oxytocin, Mm. which is the bonding hormone, which is the same bonding hormone that's released when a woman gives birth to a baby. And that hormone is also released in the father. If he witnesses the birth, his brain releases oxytocin as well. It's to form this family. Hmm. And so when we have sex with someone, we release oxytocin. And our body wants to, our brain wants to bond with that person. The more you have, the more partners you have, Hmm. the more that hormone is released. And it's essentially diluted over time. And you have a more difficult or you can have a more difficult time bonding with your sex partner and i mean that's god's design i believe i believe that we were supposed to have this huge burst of release of hormones ideally with one person and then that's not to shame anybody that story isn't like that my story is not like that yeah but it does affect emotionally your marriage or it can at least for me in the beginning i had a lot of stuff to work through with past partners and thinking through those things and those past sexual experiences like all of that still is in my mind that came into my marriage bed and that was a huge emotional toll that I was not prepared for and couldn't have known and maybe people kind of talked with me a little bit about it um beforehand but that's just stuff I had to work through on my own so I have a personal question that you can absolutely veto but when you before you were married did that stuff kick up when you were with a par- with with a partner mm-hmm. with past the previous partners. person, or was it you were finally in love with somebody? You were committed to somebody. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like there was a switch? You're saying, did I think about past partners with other with other men partners besides before John getting married? Um, a little bit. It would come up some, but not at all like it did in I marriage. Why? And I think there's different reasons for that. I do think that I felt, I actually think that once I got married, I felt shame Mm. because now suddenly I was married and I was supposed to, you know, in a Christian marriage as like a Christian wife, this was all purity culture crap, that I was supposed to have the same level of, in, I don't know, engagement and, and freedom that I'd had in non-married relationships and i couldn't interesting i couldn't reproduce that and i felt 
I mean, I really think I felt shamed that I couldn't reproduce that, that I was supposed to be able to do that. Um, there's so many factors that go into that and reasons why that couldn't happen and why it wasn't supposed to happen like that. One of Jonathan's, um, he was a guy who mentored him for a lot of years, um, named Brian. He, it was in our wedding actually. He had said to Jonathan, he had had sex before he'd been married. Brian had, and, um, and he had struggled in his marriage early on and he and his wife some sexually because of that. And he had said to Jonathan one time, you know, when you have sex outside of marriage, there's like this edge to it. Yeah. There's this like, I always, I never felt like it was right ever. Even when I was, even before I was a Christian, I always had a feeling like I shouldn't be doing this. And it had, because it had that edge to it, you get a different kind of almost high off of it. Yeah. It, because it's lust. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Because lust feeds lust. And you can't feed lust without more lust. And marriage, that's stripped away. There's the purity of it. There's the holiness of it. There's, of course, the pleasure and joy of it, which I think God absolutely wants us to experience, the clitoris. But that is a different feeling overall. Mm-hmm. And I had to work my way to that. Yeah. And I got there and Jonathan was so gracious and awesome and so understanding and so patient. And he's a very good lover, I'll just say, for public to hear. He's very attentive to me. Um, He's always willing to learn and, like, listen to what I need. And we had to do all this, like, new working out together. And I had to do the emotional work. But it was a barrier for a while. I appreciate – no, I like the fact that you did that. I think it's so important – that you sussed that out, that you're helping so much. And I think on the flip side of that, it's I have a completely different narrative, mm-hmm. but the same kind of shame. Mm-hmm. Because shame mm-hmm. is shame. That's right. And with me, it was having been molested at a very young age and having that peaked in me. Mm-hmm. So desire, I knew what desire was. Right. I, I knew that that felt good at a very young yeah. age. And then, but I also, when I got into high school before I became a Christian, I was afraid. I was afraid of men. I was mm-hmm. afraid of engaging that sort of thing. But I had, I have a very high sex drive. I, I've always had this. Yeah. And, so I didn't know what to do about it. And so masturbation became my mm-hmm. escape. And within the church, nobody talks about masturbation. But it is just, it it, it filled me w- with so much shame. I just remember sobbing. Mm-hmm. I, I had, the, I needed this release. Yeah. So I got the release. And then it was like this vicious cycle for yeah. me. And I, uh, it was just so, it was gross. And I think the the masturbation was not gross. Yeah, I was going to say the vicious was cycle gr- the vicious was cycle. gross, and well, that's and the what I wanted to say. Well, and the shame that it puts you and the under. Shame. That's the part that's and harmful. you know, we did. Uh, we've talked about the women's ministry that we used to do, and I mentioned this, and I and I called out specifically women who had been molested mm-hmm. as children yeah. or raped or whatever, and the fact that and many of them who were still single and mm-hmm. who were um, remaining celibate, yeah. but still masturbated right. and felt this tremendous amount of grief and shame over the masturbation. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know what? You need to let that go. That's right. And I'm telling you, Nicole, I had a line of women it's unbelievable. afterwards just saying thank I you love for it. that. And I, I just, I don't ever want anybody... I mean, the the I, 
when the very thing that was created to be good Mm -hmm. gets contorted into evil. That's right. And then it messes us up in so many mm-hmm. ways when it's supposed to be something that liberates us, yeah. supposed to be something that that brings us closer together. And all of a sudden, we're, we're actually farther apart. Yeah. Get out of here. I think it's probably, I mean, some people might not like me saying this, but I think when I think about God, when I think about the things that he created that were just meant to be good, like you're saying, that were just meant to be beautiful and good, and they're perverted and stripped of the beauty that he intended, I think it's a special kind of grief. Like, yep. I don't, there's not really a way to explain it except that I think there's a there's a specific heartbreak yeah. that God feels when things that he made to be good are... It's true. And I don't know if I'm going to, this is going too far forward because there was an, another thing I want to talk about. Um, I'll come back to the the masturbation thing a little later when it, it feels a little bit more relevant to the trajectory of this conversation. But I want to now pivot to, pivot to pivot. another conversation or another topic where I was a technical virgin the mm-hmm. night of my marriage. Yep. I did all of the other things yeah. except for sex. What was so, and I... I kind of had this revelation as you were talking. I, I wonder if so many of us, ooh, yeah, this does filter in with that, the masturbation thing that I was going to table to. I wonder if those of us who are like, all right, we're going to do everything, but mm-hmm. then it's no wonder that so many of us just center the penetrative. Of course. Let's just go straight to that because all right. of that other stuff yeah. is like the nasty, risky stuff. That's right. We've done all the others and it's like we've already done and tasted you know, we've tasted that fruit, so yeah. to speak. And, and then let's ju- just go to this main event. Yeah. And then we you call wonder, it the main event. And you wonder why it's bad. Mm-hmm. And or, or wonder why it's not as good. Yeah. And, and maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. But for me, if we just go straight to banging, unless like we're really hard up or unless something's happened or we've been flirting all day. Yeah. Forget it. It's yeah. just it doesn't happen. happen. It, I, I, it's not as enjoyable. But to bring in that masturbation thing, I'll think I'll do it now because I think it... it it um i realize i say i think a lot and you know why it's because i never like to assert my opinion too strongly mm-hmm. because i just think and i am subject to change yeah and it, there's nothing wrong with you and my opinion I is like subject it. to change so you think i did not masturbate almost my i've been married 15 years this year and i really did not masturbate a whole lot because masturbation was connected to so much shame mm-hmm. and i'm like look i got a dick now i don't need a finger <laughs> Unless it's his. So I'm like, all right, poo-poo, I don't need that. Poo-poo on you. But there was a situation in which it was incumbent upon me to (laughs) self-pleasure. I don't know why, and I don't need to get into the details on that, but I did. Wait, that was the first time? You said it was the first time in your marriage? No, I mean, it was the first time I did it without a sense of grief and shame. Okay, okay. Where I did it with a real sense of conscientiousness and a sense of like paying attention. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, why didn't I do this year one? Because after that, I was like, Gregory. Gregory. I have a tip for you. (laughs) Um, Get your notepad. Jot this down, would you? Well, it's going to be different for you. (laughs) So I needed to go and fondle my way through <laughs> pun intended <laughs> the uh the corridors of Renee <laughs> to educate Greg yes on what would work the best and he got a tip 
he did get a tip and you, that involved his tip and you and, <laughs> just in the just the right position just the right position. and i don't think we would have figured that out and had i not figured it out myself god bless self-pleasuring 15 years after the fact. 15 years after the fact whatever so here's what we would love for you to do rate review subscribe and tell us how much you love us because we are just so lovable. <laughs> so lovable. But it actually does make a difference and it does help people find this podcast. If you like this podcast and you care about not only but also, you know, if you drop a little line there on Apple Podcasts and give us a little review, it actually means something. It does. And on Facebook, on Instagram, on any of these kinds of things. Listen, if we in any way have helped you see the both and better, let other people know so they too can see more clearly. We are Noba Podcast everywhere. Thank you. <laughs>